When a crisis hits your life, what do you do? I mean, aren't you glad that crisis only comes every once in a while? It's not a constant state. I hope it's not a constant state for you. But every once in a blue moon, something bad will happen, really bad. You know, it's just the world in which we live in. And a crisis will come. You never know when a crisis is going to come. If you did, it wouldn't be a crisis. You don't plan on it. But sometimes, usually, crisis, a crisis is unexpected. You get that phone call in the middle of the night you don't want to hear, or you uh, uh, have a knock on the door, or you get that report back from the doctor. Something bad has happened. What happens when, you're, when a crisis hits? Well, emotionally and mentally, what, what usually happens is your judgment becomes clouded. I mean, it's hard to think straight. I mean, at the moment that you go through that crisis, it becomes very much like you're in shock. You feel, you feel pain, or you feel numb, or you feel angry. And so some type of emotion just takes over your life, and it's hard to think through things logically. And so whatever you feel like, it's, but the main thing you've got to know is you just feel it's emotions. You just feel something, and it may be overwhelming. And if you're not careful, when you go through a crisis, you might begin to live your life according to your feelings. You might reach a state where what you consider to be a level state of being is actually you living simply according to your feelings. Sort of like you're just floating above water, barely able to breathe. And, and so everything that happens to you is just one emotional reaction to the next. And there's not a plan to your life. There's not a purpose to your life. There's nothing logically or reasonably going on in your life. And so it's something that uh, may happen to us as a defense mechanism when we go through really, really bad times, unexpected times. I've discovered a long time ago that when someone is wounded... They make wounded kinds of decisions. Wounded people make wounded decisions. A friend of mine is a pastor in Tulsa, and uh, some uh, number of years ago, his brother committed suicide. And uh, he knew his brother had some, some challenges and some, some problems going on, but nobody expected this. A year and a half passed by after that, and he thought that he himself was doing better. And one of his loving deacons pulled him aside one Sunday and said, uh, Pastor, why are you always angry with the congregation? So I'm not angry. And he said, you seem to be angry with us when you preach. He didn't even realize it. And after some contemplation and some thought, he, he came to the realization that that he was still struggling with his brother's suicide. And he was just sort of venting. That preaching was his place to vent. And so he, he had to take account of that. And he had to realize that even though he's a pastor, he wasn't above being a human. God made us with emotions, and there's nothing wrong with emotions. There's nothing wrong with reacting to a crisis 
in, a, in an emotional way. That's the way God made us, and we need to do that. But we've got to be careful not to allow that emotional state to become something that is permanent. Wounded people make wounded decisions. And if you're wounded, if you've gone through a crisis recently, or may, it may have even been a, what, considers, what you would consider to be a long time ago, your decisions might end up compounding your problems. But God has given us a word in Scripture about handling these types of trials and difficulties. And if you're going through a really bad time in your life, I'm going to ask you to consider this message today, not because it comes from me, but because it comes from the Word of God. And the Word of God is where we need to always remember to look to and gain our strength from. It is God's message to us. And so I believe that God, through His Word, can help us handle our trials and difficulties, even a crisis, successfully. And if you're not going through a hard time right now, if things are pretty good for you, be thankful. Be grateful. Things can happen at any time, you know that. But be grateful for all of God's blessings that He's given you during this time of peace in your life. But I still want you to take this message to heart, store it away, because you never know when the Lord may allow difficulties to come into your life. The passage is in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 19. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 19. And I want us to see this essential message that God wants you, He's called you, to suffer with Christ. Now you're going to suffer in this world. This world has suffering. It's a part of living. But God wants you to suffer with Christ. When you do suffer, you don't go through it alone. But Christ is with you. Let's look at this passage. We'll read the entirety of it. It says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. By the way, let me pause right there. And just for our own perspective, please understand that the people that Peter was writing to, not only were they dealing with many of the same problems we have, family problems, health problems, financial problems, that's the, that's the way of the world. But they were also at the very outset of suffering under the emperor Nero simply because they were Christians. They had it much worse off in that respect than any of us do. And Peter says to them, don't be surprised at this fiery ordeal that you're going through. So just as a matter of perspective, please understand that suffering as a Christian is something not only that all Christians go through, but it's something that all Christians can deal with successfully. So back to verse 13, don't be surprised. He said, but to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. So that also at the revelation of His glory, you may rejoice with exultation. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the Spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer, or a thief, or evildoer, or a troublesome meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian... He is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in, the, in this name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. 
And if it begins with us first, what will be the outcome of those for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Verse 18, And if it is with difficulty that the righteous is saved, what will become of the godless man and the sinner? Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. My grandfather was born in 1906 in the Oklahoma Territory, same year that Oklahoma became a state. He, um, he had his plans all laid out. He was going to go to college. He was going to become a civil engineer, build things, have a good, successful Christian life. But, you know, things don't always go according to plan. He started out his studies at a land college called Land Grant College called Texas or it's called Oklahoma A and M. It's now called Oklahoma State. But his college years were interrupted by something out of his control: the Great Depression. Interrupted pretty good. He didn't get too far in college, even though he had every ability to do so. He lacked one ability, though, money. So he adjusted. He left school. He got whatever jobs he could find. He learned his craft the old-fashioned way by doing. And he became a very accomplished civil engineer. He built bridges and dams. He had a part in building uh, Tulsa's port of Catoosa, which even to this day ships goods from Oklahoma out to the Mississippi River eventually and onto the rest of the world. So my grandfather, I share with you this, he... He didn't let a little thing like the Great Depression derail his life. He had a strong faith in God, and when difficulties came, it was a challenge, but he adjusted. Your plans, your dreams, your goals will be interrupted by things you cannot control. It just will. There are things in this life that are bigger than you. So be ready for it. Expect trials. Alexander Graham Bell, like so many of the inventors in that golden age of inventing, um, he, he experienced numerous failures before he finally got his most famous invention right. And once he said, when one door closes, another opens. But we often look so long and so regretfully upon the closed door that we do not see the one which is open for us. I think that's words of wisdom. Some of the trials you might expect could be fiery trials, difficult trials. It's the image. Why, why did Peter talk about fiery trials? It's the image of metal being forged in the heart of a refiner's fire. And there's two things that a refiner's fire does to metal. When you put metal to a refiner's fire, it purifies the metal and it strengthens the metal. And so when you go through trials, what's God doing in your life? He's making you more, more pure and He's making you more strong. Now, if God wants you to be pure and God wants you to be strong, and He does, isn't it wise for us to expect that we might have to go through some fiery trials to get there? Yeah. So expect it. 
Secondly, we need to rejoice in trials. Verse 14, or 13 and 14. But to the degree that you share in the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of His glory you may rejoice with exaltation. If you're reviled for the name of Christ, you're blessed because the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. You know, when you're going through a really difficult time, it just may seem like everything around you is sort of dark. And it's your perspective. You may even know that. But everything around you seems to be gloomy or fearful, or there's hatred all around. People are out to get you. There's persecution. There's sadness. There's depression. But if you look carefully enough, in all of that darkness, there's always a light. There's always joy to be found. And the joy is found... When you take your focus off of your trials and look forward to when Christ returns. Look again at verse 13. To the degree that you shared the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing so that at the revelation of His glory you may rejoice with exaltation. You understand that? Peter's writing to people that are in the midst of being persecuted and he says, hang on. You can even rejoice if you look forward to the day when Christ returns because that's going to be a glorious day for us same lesson for us you're going through a hard time look forward to the day when Christ returns what's going to happen you're going to be given a new body a body that cannot decay get sick a body that doesn't grow old and die you're going to be given closeness with God like you've never experienced before. Jesus is going to make everything right when He returns. All the wrongs of this world are going to be made right. And you're going to be with God forever and ever in a way that we can only experience in part right now. So let's look forward to that day. The people that are sitting with you today because they followed Christ, these same people in this room have experienced heartache. We've experienced financial loss, pain, and sorrow. But Jesus is going to make everything right someday. So let's look forward to that day. And not only is He coming back in the future, but He's with us right now. Verse 14 says, If you're reviled for the name of Christ, you're blessed because of the Spirit of glory and of God rests on you, rests on you presently it's not that the spirit of god someday might come upon you he's already on you he's already within you the spirit of glory and of god is with you right now sometimes christians wonder when i'm suffering where's god the truth is that god is more present during your hard times than you can imagine god has not abandoned you god will not abandon you when you go through trials, the Spirit of God literally rests with refreshing power upon you. I want you to think to that great story in Daniel chapter 3. And you got those heroes, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You remember them? And they were, what happened to them? They were thrown into the fiery furnace. You knew that when you heard that story for the first time and when you've heard it many times since then 
that they had a faith in God as they were being thrown into the fiery furnace. They believed that God could rescue them. And not only did God deliver them, but He walked with them. There was another man, one like a son of God, there with them in the fiery furnace. They had faith in God. Do we have faith in God? We should have faith in God because not only can we look forward to the day when Christ returns, but God is present with us right now, even during our sufferings. Third point I'd make for you today is don't be ashamed of your trials. You know, and that's a, that's a challenge for us because we, we sometimes get this idea in our heads where, well, you know, if I'm a Christian, I'm supposed to have everything right in my life. I'm supposed to do everything right and, and respond to everybody in such a right way, and I'm supposed to put all the wonderful things on Facebook so everyone believes that I'm just so wonderful. And, and so we get this idea that we have to present an image. We have to put on a mask, a Christian mask. Look how perfect I am. It's because I believe in Jesus. And we're afraid that if we allowed people to see that well, maybe not everything in my life isn't so perfect that we would somehow do harm to the kingdom of God. But that's not true. Don't be ashamed of Christ in your trials. Look at verse 15. Peter says, Make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a troublesome meddler. In other words, hey, if you murder someone and you go to prison... Don't cry and say, oh, I'm just suffering for Christ. No, not so. Same thing if you're a thief. Same thing if you're sticking your nose in other people's business and someone metaphorically bites it off. Don't be surprised if you get yourself in trouble for doing bad things. Peter says, don't suffer for doing bad things. Don't let that be the reason you suffer. But verse 16 continues. But if anyone suffers as a Christian... He is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in this name. In the first century, Roman law required each citizen to pledge loyalty to Caesar, to the emperor. And once a year, the citizens would put on a, a, a pinch of incense onto the proper altar and say, Caesar is Lord. Boom. And you put that incense on the altar. But Christ followers refused. They couldn't say that about Caesar because their true allegiance, their ultimate allegiance, was to the Lord Christ, and He alone is truly Lord. Sometimes the Roman official would write the name of Christ on the ground or on a wall, and he would command the Christian to spit on it. And if the Christian refused, that Christian could be arrested, tried, and perhaps even at one point in the first century killed. They were put to shame before their friends for bearing the name of Christ. Peter says, don't be ashamed of Christ. And if not being ashamed of Christ causes you to suffer, well, glorify God in it. That's okay. I've seen a lot of Christians act ashamed when they lose a job or they get sick. 
They hold down their head in shame, and it's as if going through a bad time somehow makes them less of a man, less of a godly woman. There's nothing to be ashamed of when you go through a hard time. Nothing at all. You stay faithful to Christ through the good times, through the tough times. There's nothing to be ashamed of. If you stay faithful to Christ and glorify Him, let God work out the circumstances. Don't be ashamed of Christ in your trials. Peter tells us another good practice to do in our trials, and it's to witness. Witness in trials. Verses 17 and 18. For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, we all know when we talk about God's judgment, well, that's future, right? God's judgment is something that's going to come in the future. Well, what God has done, God has taken the end-time judgment of His people, and He has brought it, a portion of it, into the present in the form of your trials. You understand that? There's a day when all Christians will stand before the Bema seat of Christ, and Christ will judge all of our works and purify us, and all the worthless stuff is going to burn up, and all that's going to be lit left is what is pure and what is of God, what is eternal, okay? There's that day that's literally coming in the future. But at the same time, God has taken a portion, if you can imagine it in those words, of that end-time judgment, and He's brought it to your life right now in the form of trials, difficulties, to purify you some. It's not the end-time Bema judgment of God that we're going through, but we are going through a portion of the end-time judgment right now. God says it's time for judgment to begin right now with the people of God. If God sends trials to His people now, it's a sign that someday He will not only judge them completely with the goal of purifying them but he'll also judge the lost he'll judge them in a very comprehensive way and so it gives you a golden opportunity during your trials today to be a witness you see when people who are apart from christ see the difficulties that you deal with they wonder well what yeah that person's supposed to be a christian that's per that person is supposed to love God. Why is God allowing them to go through these things? If they love God so much and they're going through this bad time, why would God allow that? They ask these questions. They might even ask that question of you. They might say, look at what God has done to you. You love God and what has God done in return? You lost your job, or you're in bad health, or your, your kids are out of control, or something's going on in your life. And you say you love God. Why do you still love God? They want to know that you answered that question. Your simple answer is what God's Word says. 
yeah, I'm going through a difficult time right now, but it's making me more pure. It's for my benefit. It's making me stronger as a Christian. They're making me more like Christ. I'm suffering with Christ. The judgment that God has for His children right now is it's mild but the judgment that God has for those who reject him will one day be very severe and so we can witness in our trials and finally we can trust God in our trials we can trust God verse 18 and if it is with difficulty that the righteous is saved what will become of the godless man and the sinner Verse 19 says, Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful Creator in doing what is right. Trust God during your crisis. Trust God during your hard times. You may feel like God is nowhere to be found. You may feel like He's so distant. I haven't heard from him in such a long time. I don't know why I'm going through such a bad time. Things seem so dark. But you need to be like Job. No matter what the Lord has in store for me, I will trust him. I will trust him. One of the most beautiful words in all of Scripture is found in this verse. It's the word entrust. Entrust, scripturally speaking, it's a banking term. It's a term that places of uh, financial businesses would, would engage in. It's a banking term. It refers to this. It is the act of leaving an amount on deposit for safekeeping. We all understand that. You've got a checking account, you've got a savings account, maybe. But it's the act of leaving an amount on deposit for safekeeping. Here's the picture God allows the fiery trials of your life to burn away all of the dross, the worthlessness. And you. In response, entrust yourself to Him for safekeeping. God, I know you're letting me go through this hard time, I, and I don't like it. It's, tr- it's challenging, it's hard, but I know you're doing it for my benefit, to burn away the impurities in my life. Therefore, I take whatever's left and I entrust myself to you. Keep me safe. Whatever I have to go through, I'll go through it. But I ask you, Lord, to keep me safe. I entrust myself to you. And you know in your heart that God cannot fail you. He will not fail you. But not only that, you entrust yourself to God like a deposit into a bank 
you know God's going to pay pretty good interest on that. He's got something in store for you that's going to be really, really good. But you've got to entrust yourself to Him during your trials. We all go through hard times. Even as Christians who are secure in Christ, we can say, God gives us the freedom to say, I'm sick and tired of living for Christ. Don't do that. Don't do that. Or we can go through that hard time and we can say, I don't like this. I want better times for my life. I want better times for my family. But if all I've got left, God, is you, that's all I need. I trust myself to you. You can trust Jesus. What did Jesus say in John 16, 33? In the world, you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. So who are you going to trust? Are you going to give up on God just because you're going through a hard time? Don't do that. You trust God more than ever right now. You need Him. Jesus said, take courage. I have overcome the world.